0: And our worship's continuing now. We're going to be uh, hearing from Ed. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to bring him on screen here and uh, introduce Ed to you. So this is Ed. He's um, Ed Walker, runs this charity called uh, Hope Action. We've got these books here, um, which we'd love uh, you to have and to read. So that's a follow-on from this morning. I just wanted to, before, before we ask him to speak, uh, just a bit of, remind us of a bit of context for us at Hope. Right now we've got the night shelter happening, which we're involved in every year. And, uh, it's, it's a bit different this year happening in the B&B, but, um, uh, Rach- uh, Cades and Richard and others are, are on that team, uh, doing a night a week, uh, looking after, you yeah, know, hosting, uh, some homeless this has always been really core to the heart of hope hasn't it since it started back in 2000 this dream to be a hope to be a a family for people on the margins of society and over the years we've done many things breakfast for the homeless soup run always happens and it has done for most of those 20 years i think we've been involved with that and we've looked at various points in time at whether could we could we start a house could we could we buy a house or two for for people who are homeless or, or for people who are coming out of prison um we've got um and we looked at the Adam and Eve pub uh, just down the down the road a few years ago, wondering when that closed and, and was we built into flats. Could that be a, a possible location? We've, we've got Tim Snowden with us, who's uh, CEO of 61, that runs Mentor Me. And uh, we've been in conversations with him just over the last couple of years, exploring this idea, you know, would it be useful uh, to have a, a kind of hope house for people who are coming out of homelessness or out of prison or similar? And we know there's a real need in the city, don't we? We know there's a housing crisis. We know uh, you know, the Mayor Marvin, on, on Marvin's heart, is this desire to eradicate involuntary homelessness. And it's exciting. I've been in meetings with, with church leaders across the city. Jonathan Lee is quite key in this, bringing this together, in um, saying, you know, can we as churches lead the way in, in in bringing an end to involuntary homelessness in the city? Churches have got property, got land and so on, and, and relationships and social capital. And so, this is um my my hope is that when we hear Ed, um, we'll also have a kind of an ear to the Holy Spirit as as He speaks and say, God, have you got something for us to do action wise on this? You know, and and I think maybe because quite a straight question, do you want us to open a Hope House, uh, one or two. Uh, you know, is, is this something you've got for us? We, you know, we we encouraged aren't we by the life of Jesus just to take bold steps. Is this something that you got for us? So, as, as you're um, listening to Ed, do be asking God to speak to us as a church as well. And as a follow-on from this, do come and read the book. Um, you know, that's a great way for us to get a, a greater flavour of what the charity is about and how it works, and some inspiring stories. Um, and let's—I let, encourage us as a, as a church to go on this journey of considering—is um, this something that we can step into? So, um, I pray, Father, now that as Ed speaks to us, you do that. You, Lord, we invite you to speak, we invite you to speak to us, uh, and to lead us. Uh, what, what we want to do. Jesus said he did only what he saw the father doing. And we want to have that similar closeness to you. We want to, our theme for, uh, one church one day this month is about remi- remaining, abiding in, in, in Jesus, John 15. And we want to do it. We want to live a life. We recognize that we're fruitful. And we remain in you, and we abide in you, and we hide ourselves in you. So we put ourselves in that position now, Lord, and we pray that you speak to us and you do this as a church. Amen. Amen. Great. I'm going to full screen you, Ed, and um, over to you.
1: Amen. Well, it's great to be here. This is my wife's study, so if I think it's a bit messy, then, you know, blame my wife. Uh, It's a great privilege to be here. Thank you for having me. I've got to know Chris a little bit over the last few months. We've got a common friend who introduced us, and I've been in some meetings with people like Tim Snowden and Jonathan Lee with him. And I've had some one-on-one chats with him, and I'm just really impressed with him and the heart of him, uh, his evident leadership, and... uh, what feels to me like an awesome church uh, so it's a great privilege to be here thank you for having me thank you for listening to me um just going to start off a bit about uh, hope Interaction. action as chris has said um we, we enable churches to house the homeless and we would love if it's god's will and you sense it right to partner with you guys uh to house the homeless we, we enable your church to house the homeless, as Chris has said, uh, where did hope Interaction begin well uh, i 'll let me to start the, the top right right from the beginning. Uh, I spent uh, after graduating, I spent ten years overseas with tear funds uh, in disaster response, came back uh, into this country and found myself in this strange town called Peterborough. And I was wondering what on earth I was supposed to do in Peterborough. My favourite verses when I was overseas, was Isaiah 58. Isn't this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And I can remember walking around Peterborough thinking, Yeah, well, well, how, well, how do those verses apply to me here and now in 21st century Peterborough as a, a Christian? Like, Lord, I'm, I'm sure you do need Christians in this city, but I, I don't really see how. And anyway, I happened to be in a playground playing with my daughter and um there's a man on the bench and um, I got speaking to him. Now, his story is the same story you will know many times and certainly Tim Snowden would have heard many, many times. Uh, but for me, coming into this country, I'd read about this story, but it's the first time I'd met it uh, first time up. So his story is this. Uh, this gentleman uh, at 11 o'clock in the morning was already through a bottle of something very strong. And I asked him, you know, how he got to be where he was. He was in prison that morning. As he was leaving prison, he was full of determination and hope for a new life. Exiting the gates, a prison officer said to him, we'll see you back here in three months time, mate. And at that point, any sense of self-esteem or hope crumbled. And as he left the prison, he made a rational choice. He had nowhere to go, no one to go to. And so he took his money and by the time I met him, he was already drinking uh, his way through half a bottle. Uh, so I said, don't worry, we can, I, can, I can help with this. Uh, I know some hostels, I will signpost you, none would take him. Too old, don't take sex offenders. So I said, OK, well, try Norwich, same deal. I said to him, where were you before you went to prison? He said, I was in Cambridge. I said, why don't you go back to Cambridge? He said, if I go back to Cambridge, I will end up surrounded by the same old people, in the same old hostel doing the same old things and I will end up back inside and so I left him there I had nothing I could do for him and as I left him I left I left with two feelings one I felt really disempowered Uh, two I could see where I was standing uh, near me a dozen churches within a mile of where I was standing And I found myself thinking, what is the point of all our worship, all our singing, all our Bible studies, all our home groups, all our prayer meetings, if we, the churches, aren't giving the homeless a home? And as I walked away with my daughter and began to think about these things, then that verse popped back into my head, Isaiah 58. Isn't this the kind of worship I have chosen to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And I began to think, ah, or well, maybe maybe I'm beginning to understand how that verse applies to us here in Peterborough. Fast forward about a year, my wife and I had an inheritance. We were very lucky. We bought a house. We partnered it with my church in my local community. I walked into the prison. I met someone who had nowhere to go and release. And we provided him with a home. I met him at the gate as he left the prison and took him to our house. Uh, Alongside him, I moved in a guy who'd been in hostile accommodation for eight years. He was a recovering heroin addict and we started our first house. We had a home group or a connect group and they agreed to love, support, befriend, mentor, disciple those men in the house. Because as I walked away from that first gentleman, I began to see slowly that his nowhere to go, his physical poverty, is homelessness is a function of actually having no one to go to Uh, because if I came out of prison tomorrow my wife would have me back, my mother might have me, I have relational richness that safeguards me against physical poverty of homelessness and so as we've discussed this morning already relational poverty is at the heart of homelessness and a home is not just the bricks and mortar it's the relationships that nurture you that believe in you that support you that journey with you and give you a sense of belonging and every church in this country is a body of relationships social capital spiritual capital loving communities uh, with an injunction to reach out and love their neighbour and so, really, in a nutshell, that's what we did. That was the first house. It grew to a second house and a third house. And then a church said we'd love a house for females, and we said, "Yeah, we can do this for female homeless." Then another church said we can do this for um, I don't know, uh, former sex workers. So we've got a house for former sex workers, those coming out of recovery or rehab. We've got a house for former traffic survivors, and we've got houses right across the country. Um, and I'm just going to show you a few slides now. Throughout the talk, I'm going to show you some slides, and then I'm going to break out and and um, uh, come back to me. So I'm going to try and share screen. Uh, I think it says confidently. So I'm assuming that you could all see a picture of two ladies. And if you can't, someone will contact me. My phone's on, Chris. If 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 I'm just talking at nothing. So I hope those two ladies. This is one of our homes. It's a home in Cambridge, actually, and I love that picture. <laughs> actually, yeah, well, we've I'm just happy.
0: got a uh, um, we've just got the first slide to start with. At least 180 grand.
1: Oh uh, right, okay. So you haven't got. You can't see. Can you see two? Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's it. it. That's <laughs> it. Okay. Great. So you should be able to see two ladies now sitting down. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Great. Okay, so I love these two ladies. I love this picture because it embodies what we hope uh, we stand for. First of all, I hope you get a sense that this is a home. It's somewhere warm, it's cosy, it's somewhere you can relax in. I hope also you can sense that uh, you don't know which of those people there is one of our tenants and which is the lady from the church who's there to befriend the tenant. And uh, there is a hope, a sense of mutuality between them, a sense of we're in this together, a sense of friendship, a sense of love that pervades. And um, yeah, and that's what we love. That's what we strive for, a sense of mutuality, a sense of friendship between the church and the tenants, the tenants feeling safe, feeling loved. And the particular tenant here was on the streets, was an alcoholic, is now dry and sober and has been for many years uh, or a few years now, which is which is wonderful. Um, This is where we are across the country, just so you get a sense of who we are. We now have 70 church partners um, and between us and those church partners, they're running 85 homes in 27 towns. And tonight, over 200 homeless men and women are in homes run by churches. Uh, which is good news it's very good news in Peterborough alone there are 18 houses being supported by 15 churches and so tonight in Peterborough there are 40 men and women in homes run by churches and we kind of think yeah that's that what's happening in Peterborough can happen anywhere across in any city across the country. Just to very quickly talk you through our model so you understand it. This is a guy, looks like he's leaving prison. Uh, he's looking left and right. He's a poor wanderer. He doesn't know where to go. Probably a dealer is just around the first quarter waiting for him. Uh, hey, we're, just actually really on the, we're just on the first side the, side actually. Can you, we can all
0: just right. see the-
1: Why is this? Okay, is it going down now? No. No. Okay. Let me just. Um, Oh, there we go. That's the map. You see that?
0: You can see the map now.
1: Okay, great. So I've talked you through this already. This is where we are around the country. Blah blah. You can see that. I've kind of talked you through that one. Yep. Okay, thanks. Um, Can you see this one now? A guy standing out in prison. Yep. Okay, fab. Okay, so he's in prison. Can you see now some bags of money? Yep. Yeah. So this guy, he doesn't know where to go Uh, using investment capital, which I'll come back to later. uh, We buy a house. Every house is in partnership with a church, just like Hope Church. Hope Church provide a community of people, five to 10 people willing to love and befriend this gentleman, committing into a relationship to pray for him, to, to disciple him, to journey with him on the ups and the downs of his recovery, because everyone's recovery from homelessness has some Downs as well as ups, and then to ensure quality, we provide what we call an empowerment worker or a key worker to do all the uh, technical work to make sure that the work that the church does is done with quality and is honoring to God with me so far yeah and then this one and I'll just this one here, uh which you should be able to see these are just some of the awards that we've won over the years. You can see we've won from a right-wing think tank called Centre for Social Justice, a left-wing newspaper, the NHS, a research institute um, in London, and Homeless Link, which is a um, a homeless national organisation. And so you see, though we've kept the church right at the heart of who we are at Hope into Action, these secular organisations have looked at us and said. you know what a what a uh, admired our work uh and we haven't compromised the gospel we've kept church at the center and if you look at that picture there is a famous person called sally phillips she's got a big smile on her face the reason for that smile is that two minutes before that photo was taken she got a kiss off yours truly so that's that um i'm going to try and stop presenting now uh am i stopping presenting can you see me yep okay you're back to me. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. OK, good. Sorry, this is a bit disjointed. So there we are. What I'm going to do now is going to just talk you through a, um, a bit of a Bible passage. I thought as we as I was preparing this, I thought I'd just take us to Mark five. Mark five is a great story. It's a story of where Jesus meets a homeless man, often referred to as a demon possessed man. And of course, those two things overlap a little bit. So I'm going to just show you one slide now Then I'll break out. We'll do the reading on 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 the slides and then I'll talk for a bit and then we'll wrap up with a few more slides. Okay. so I'm going back to sharing screen. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to. um, Mark five, if you'd like. I've lost my... Oh. Can you see that?
0: Not yet. No, just yet.
1: OK, sorry. Bear with me, I'll get there. OK, can you see this now?
0: There we go, yep.
1: OK. So Mark five, before we get to Mark five, I just want to place it in context. I've called it there, the healing of a homeless man. Um, And in Mark four, before they got to this homeless man, Jesus said this to them. Let us go to the other side. And I, I just think that is such a good command of Jesus. I think it's the command Jesus so often gives to Christians. They were the disciples were surrounded by a crowd. They were in a comfortable place there, if you like, with the church. They were doing some nice singing, some nice worship with Jesus. It was cozy, it was comfortable. And Jesus called them to the other side. And Jesus calls us to the other side. Sometimes that can be the other side of the world. Sometimes that can be the other side of our society, such as to the homeless or whoever it may be. Sometimes that can be. To the other side of a a stream of thought maybe a political thought we can get quite dogmatic or structured in our own way but to follow jesus is to go to the other side to meet people different from ourselves to not get boxed in to where we are now and trusting that we will grow when we do that okay can you see the next i've put some verses on here can you see that or not not yet. No, okay, fine. Um, there we go, Yep. Okay, so I've now jumped into Mark 5 and I'll just let you read that so you don't have my voice shouting it the whole time. OK, am I back on your screen?
0: You are.
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to pause there. First of all, Jesus, they had to leave the crowd, they had to leave the comfort of the crowd. They went through um, uh, a storm in a lake. And so the second thing I want to say, I, I cut that bit out. But the second thing I want to say is, you know, following Jesus is not easy. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They've, had to, they've done everything right. They've heard the command of Jesus. They've got into a boat. They get into the boat and then they go into a storm. That's at the end of Mark 4. Uh, they were terrified, absolutely terrified. So sometimes following Jesus will be scary. Then finally they get to the other side and they think, thank goodness we're on terra firma. We're on safe land now. And then injured. the first person they meet is this quite scary man. Um, that in itself would have been a challenge for them. How do we handle this guy? He's violent. He's got a history of violence. And then as you pan forward in the uh, experience, they then got to see the trauma of 2,000 pigs die. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen an animal die. It's, it's not easy to see an animal die or to drown. I once saw a sheep drown with my children. My children were traumatised and to see 2,000 pigs drown would have been traumatic so the first point I want to say is you know when you follow Jesus we need to be prepared to go to the other side the second point is following Jesus is not easy when we go to the other side don't expect it to be neat and cozy Uh, it really isn't and the third thing I want to say is just to analyze that homeless man from that passage that part of the passage we've just read there if you look at him he self-harmed He was cutting himself with stones. He was homeless. He had nowhere to go. He wasn't just an offender. He'd been repeatedly offending. So he in our culture, we call him a prolific offender. And this would have been a violent man as well. And it was a real challenge to meet him. And when we meet the homeless man or the homeless woman, what do we see? Uh, What did Jesus see? Uh, I put it to you that Jesus obviously he saw that he didn't he wasn't unaware of all those things but he was able to see straight through those things and into the fellow man he connected to this man and he saw the joint humanity he realized there was a joint humanity between him as the son of God and man and this homeless guy woman who had been rejected who'd been ostracized who'd been uh, locked up uh, by society. He would have felt deeply hurt, deeply rejected. Yet Jesus could see through all that. And the very first thing Jesus asks him is this. What is your name? I don't want to know the legions or anything like that. What is your name? So with it, if you're doing work with a homeless man or woman, the, the the first thing you can ask them is, What's your name? Gives gives real dignity. You're being like Jesus then. You're connecting with them on a human level. Um So that's the second thing I want to say, is that Jesus had this incredible ability to see. Weirdly, for the religious, he tended to call out their sins, which were often hidden. But when he met people who had very obvious sins, he would sort of see straight through those to the pure human being behind that. Because no one is born homeless. No one is born a prostitute. No one is born a drug addict. No one is born an alcoholic. Something often very tragic has happened. And Jesus sensed that. If you like, you could say Jesus did not judge him, uh, which is in line with what Jesus preached, because Jesus preached, do not judge. He told people not to judge. And I've looked into those three words, do not judge. And I've kind of looked at the Hebrew and the, the Greek to try and understand them a bit better. And when Jesus said, do not judge, what he really meant was this, do not judge. That's kind of what he meant. It's as simple to understand, but it's so hard to outwork. The truth, the truth is, if I'm honest about myself, I find myself judging people the whole time. Many of you will understand and relate to that, and the rest of you, well, you've probably already judged me for it. So the first point is, we want to follow Jesus. We've got to be prepared to uh, leave the crowds, go to the other side of society. The second point is, We need to be prepared to be scared, to be terrified, to get in a boat, to go to the other side, people who are different to us, be traumatised, to meet people that might be unusual to us or maybe even a threat to us. And the third point we can get from this is do not judge. See through the sins and the differences and connect with the joint humanity. When we see the joint humanity of our fellow man, something in us grows Love drives out fear. We ourselves grow in love. We become more Christ like. And as our common humanity joins with us, Are you with me so far? Okay, good. I'm going to go back to a bit more awkward screen sharing now. Uh, so bear with me as I try and find it one more time. Okay, can you see this?
0: Yeah, when he saw from a distance.
1: Yep, yeah, perfect. So I'll just let everyone read that because my voice can be quite echoey. So I'll just give you a break from my voice. Okay, the fourth point I want to make. So the first point is Jesus calls us to the other side. Second point is following Jesus is not easy. The third point is Jesus sees through our humanity, uh, sees through in us into our humanity, and encourages us not to judge. The fourth point is the cost, but I'm going to come back to that. And so I'm just going to try and get you another slide to read now, uh, which just finishes off the passage. So you should be able to see this slide now. Those tending the pigs. I'm assuming you can see it and are reading it. Okay, just want to draw your attention. Jesus says to him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you so the man went away and began to tell people how much Jesus had done for him so he had seen that Jesus was Lord and all the people were amazed so I'm going to try and stop sharing now and just chat to you about the last thing can you see me now sure can okay great so just to go the first point I'm sorry if I'm yeah uh, you've got the three points fourth point is cost we're going to come back to that and just want to talk about this this fifth point about Jesus did this incredible healing with him and uh, I've got to be honest I've read this passage many times and many of the other healings that Jesus did and I've worked with the homeless now for 12 years in this country and I find myself feeling quite jealous of Jesus and the reason for that is Jesus in I reckon he perhaps had an hour maybe two hours with this man and he seemed to sort his problems out like that and healed it. And I'm like, Jesus, man, I've been working with these guys for months or so one person I have prayed in. I prayed against the demons. I've journeyed with him. I've tried to show him love and he's still really difficult and it's still a challenge. And what am I doing wrong? And how come it was so easy for you? And all this kind of feelings. Um, well, Jesus was was God and, and so on. So we've got to give ourselves a bit of uh, slack there. But this is what I would say to you. I love that final exchange between Jesus and the the homeless man. He says to him, can I go back with you? Can I stay with you, Jesus? And Jesus says, no. So Jesus doesn't always answer our prayers. What Jesus did was two things. One, he gave him responsibility. Uh, Go and tell people what the Lord has done for you. Uh, He the biggest responsibility he can do was to, to preach the gospel. And Jesus gave him responsibility. In so doing, he gave him dignity and he didn't surround him and say, you're dependent on me. Uh, he didn't go and take him as a kind of trophy story to show the rest of the people on the other side or in his hometown and say, look what I've done. He, he gave him dignity and gave him responsibility. The second thing Jesus did was he surrounded him in community and he surrounded him with relationships. And those relationships were vital for that guy's ongoing healing because that guy would have felt really rejected. He didn't feel like he belonged. He was ostracized. He carried with him deep hurts and the way to heal him from those hurts was to make him feel belonging, uh, a sense of love and acceptance by his people. Uh, by his fellow humans in his community. And that's really critical to understanding the healing that occurs in people who have been homeless or any of us that have struggled with traumatic events or any of that. Um, relationships are key to our healing. You see what I realize now is that guy, yes, he had a miraculous healing in the one moment, but I then kind of jumped to think that within 10 minutes, he turned into a saint. Uh, I now know well, we all understand enough about human beings, we all understand enough about ourselves to realize that we don't work that way. Our healing, our transformation is ongoing. Um, Jackie Pullinger has this amazing ministry in Hong Kong where she sees healings from people who've got heroin addiction, uh, often like that. Um, but she will say, even after those miracles, and they commit themselves to Christ, it requires two years of rewiring their brain in community. And so I say that to encourage us, and so that we have healthy expectations of what God can do, uh, if you're working with a homeless, what you can do if you're befriending or mentoring or discipling them, and what our friends who we're trying to help on their journey out of recovery can do. Because if you expect them to be, well, all I say is the journey out of recovery from homelessness is ongoing and it's long-term, and you only have to recognise how slow changes in my heart or in your personal heart to realise it would be exactly the same for our friends who we may work with, who've had experience of living in homelessness. So journey with them. What they need is uh, they will grow in their sense of humanity, their sense of love, their sense of dignity over time and through relationship. And that's critical as we move forward. Does that all make sense so far? Great. I'm assuming it does because I can't hear you. I can't see you. I can't, um, so I'm going to I'm going to carry on. I'm going to go back if I can just to wrap this up uh, in uh, some more sharings. Sorry, I hadn't planned it to be so difficult. Uh, you should be able to see a new slide uh, now. No, wrong one. OK, is there some red strips on there? Yep. Great. So just to recap what I've said, let us go to the other side. That's the call of Jesus. Following Jesus is not always unique or easy. Uh they obey the commands and um uh Jesus sees through our sins to our humanity. The cost I'm gonna to come to that, and Jesus gives responsibility, surrounds us with relationships. Just want you to think about the cost of that Jesus went through for this one human being. He took twelve disciples with him, they went on a costly journey. Uh, They got wet. They got cold. They got terrified. And they did that for one human being. Not only that, Jesus thought nothing of writing off 2000 pigs in order to save the life of one homeless, rejected man. Now, those pigs were vital community assets. Uh, Roughly speaking, I don't know if you know anything about the price of pigs these days, but I had to look it up recently. A Welsh boar, not far from you guys will cost you in the market about 250 quid. So 2,000 Welsh boars, 2,000 pigs, to that community would have been worth roughly half a million pounds. Jesus wrote off half a million pounds of community assets in the blink of an eye in order to save the life of one homeless rejected man. That's how much he thinks that guy was worth. He was worth half a million pounds and all 12 disciples input in order to save that one guy. That is good news. It's quite radical news. It's an incredible story when you think of it in those terms. And I just want to think, what are the community assets sitting in Hope Church right now? What community assets are there in Bristol? To go back to what Chris said, that can be used to help the homeless. Can you see a slide that says Bristol now? Yeah. Okay. so here we are in Bristol. Uh, You can apply this just to your church, sir, if you wanted to. Um, Let's say there are 100 churches in Bristol. I don't know that's true. That's a rough guess. I think that's about probably about right. Uh, Let's say on average, there are 50 people attending the churches. Uh, And let's say on average, each of those 50 people has £5,000 in savings. Some will have less. I appreciate that. Some uh, will also have more. That's twenty five million pounds worth of savings in this city. In Christians, bank accounts. Hundred churches, let's say each church on average has in its reserves fifty thousand pounds, it may have more, it may have less. I appreciate that. But if it does, just bear with these figures, that's another five million pounds worth of assets in the churches in Bristol. I'm going to put another slide up now. Okay, that says Bristol again. I hope. Yep. Yeah. Hundred yeah. churches. Let's say in each of those churches, on average, ten people own a house. It may be more, maybe less. I appreciate that. Let's say the average house price is one hundred and fifty grand in Bristol. So, one hundred and fifty million pounds worth of assets owned by Christians in Bristol. This does work better when we have. Just think on that. You should. Should now be able to see a slide that says that it means there is at least £180 million worth of cash assets, capital owned by Christians in Bristol. I've not included pension funds there, i am not included stocks and shares there and so forth. Um, let me just give you this final slide and then I'll wrap it up. You should see that. The early disciples shared everything they had. So there was no needy umunction So just look at that word shared. Because what does shared mean? I'm going to just come out now. No more, no more fiddling around with this, I promise. I'm just gonna I'm gonna land this now, this talk. Can you see me now? Is that right? So what I'm trying to do is give you a sense of we as Christians sit on enormous wealth. Um whether we realize it or not. Now, the trouble is with that wealth that we've got, including the wealth that I inherited, is we think we've got to give it away. We're terrified by that verse where, you know, Jesus met the rich person. But what the disciples shared everything they had. What does that word shared mean? Well, if I give my daughter a doll, imagine this is a doll, and my daughter, I ask my daughter to share that with a friend, then the friend takes the doll and she plays with it for a bit but everyone involved in that exchange understands that the friend is going to give the doll back to my daughter that's sharing right we understand that concept so the concept of sharing it is if i have an inheritance as i've done if i can share that if i can own a house but rather than uh, but i'm sharing that house with the poor then Homeless men or women can live in that house. I'm getting a social return on my investment and a spiritual return on my investment because the church are engaged. Um, and after five years, I can sell that house and take the money back. The alternative to that is to share your money with the rich by putting it into a bank or a building society or a savings or an ISA account or a, I don't know, stocks and shares or a pension. Those are bonds. Referring to Luke 12 that Jesus talked about. Do not store up your money in barns. You are fools for doing so, is what Jesus said. If instead we can share our wealth with the needy, as the early disciples did, we can unlock this huge seam of wealth sitting in Bristol so that every church in Bristol can run a house for the homeless. Or certainly Hope Church can. We have at Hope Into Action over 1.5 million pounds of investment pledged to buy our houses for the homeless. We can't find churches that will partner with us so we can use that pledged income to buy a house for the homeless. We would love to partner with your church. We think between your church and what we've got, we can buy a house in, in your part of Bristol to run it for, for a homeless. We just have two or three people in that house. And if you buy a house at 300 grand in Bristol, remember we are doing it at a cheaper rate than Jesus did it. We're undercutting Jesus and we're we're sharing our wealth. We'll get that wealth back after five years. Uh, The hardest thing to find is five to ten people from churches willing to befriend and love those tenants. That's even harder than the capital required to buy a house. So the ask is, are you prepared to hear that call of Jesus, to go to the other side, to be terrified, to be traumatised in your journey with Jesus? As he takes you to a homeless man or woman, are you prepared to see through their sins into your joint humanity? Are you prepared to build relationship around him for their ongoing healing in a non-judgmental way? And are we, as a community of Christians in Bristol, prepared to put our wealth uh, where our mouth is so we can house the homeless? Amen. Uh, I'm finished. Sorry, that was a bit clunky with the old um, uh, PowerPoints, but I hope you get the message. Thank you
0: for listening. Thanks, Ed, so much. That was great to hear. And um, hopefully, you are inspired and encouraged by that. Not just in the question about do we do a Hope House, but also I think the way Ed talks about how we love uh, people who are homeless and, 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 and you know, in having been through trauma and that sort of thing. I, I find that really helpful. So, just recommend again we've got about 20 of these books that we don't want to keep here. So, um, if you can come and collect a copy and you'd like that, then do. If you can't come and collect one, let us know and we can post you one. So um, put that into the, you can either email Hannah at the office at hopecapital.co.uk office at hopecapital.co.uk or let us know in some other way. And, we, and we'd love really, do be please be praying, you know, as you read this or in response to what Ed shared this morning or ongoing, is this a thing that you have for us? You know, and, and, and if so, we need to have some team to own it. So if you want to be on team... If this is, we have so many skills within this area in, in, within Hope, and um, but we need people to come forward and say, "I'm up for this. I want to be part of shaping this, taking this forward." Uh, and so, if that's you, we need—we probably need three or four or five people, I guess, who would who would want to kind of own this and and take it on on behalf of all of us. So please do uh, come forward, and you know we can start off with have some, some having some exploration meetings. I'm sure Ed or someone from his team, would be up for um, facilitating that if that would be helpful. And there's a wider conversation going on in, in Bristol around can we do something as wider churches in the city? So um, let's let's keep on uh, considering that, praying about that, and encourage you to to, to respond as well. You know, the, the Christian life is one of action, isn't it? So we're going to finish our live stream there in a minute. We've got a um, we've got uh, a Zoom which you're really welcome to join if you'd like to, whether you're brand new to Hope or we've been been around a long time. Um, I'll put the the link to the Zoom if you have, have, don't have it already into the chat in a in a minute in a second, and that's a space where people can join in and it's a chance to have a bit of one you know, small group chat or pray. You can you can go you can you can chew on what Ed's brought this morning. Uh, you can pray uh, if particular particularly need some prayer for, or you can just have some some light light connection as well. It's, it's designed to do all of those things. So we'll finish there and um, bless you this week. Uh, in that adventure of doing life together with Jesus, bless you as you navigate that and do that together with others as well. Amen. Brilliant. I'll post the link and uh, and then we'll finish the finish the live stream there. Thanks, everyone.